I'm saying a big hello to everybody worshiping with us online, uh, as well as at our Ogallala and North Platte campuses, and whatever God has in store for us to come. Um, it's exciting around a new life. It really is. Uh, I love life change. If you were here last week, we had tons of baptisms that happened. Uh, we had more people commit their life, surrender their life to Jesus Christ last week. And so, guys, that just means more and more people. You're going to see more and more people getting baptized in the future. So come on. If you haven't followed the Lord in water baptism, I just want to encourage you, take that step. Take that step. Well, hey, um, I, uh, I just want to make sure that everyone has like a quick like, uh, synopsis of where we've been. So we're, we're talking about a series called Ever Wonder Why. And on week one, we talked about why did God let it happen? And it was very meaningful for many people. Why does God let pain happen? Why did he let it happen? Uh, last week we talked about why, didn't, why doesn't God answer my prayer? All right, like, what's going on with me? Does he not like me? What's up with that? And those have been two solid messages, and I would just encourage you to go, to back, go back to mynewlifechurch.com and re-listen to those. Um, send them to your friends. Um, these are the kind of questions people are asking uh, these days. And they've always been asking them, but they're really asking them now. And I want to talk about another why, okay? I want to talk about why don't I always feel God? Why don't I always feel God? Some of you, man, you've been in this journey of Christianity for a long time, and you're like, you know, like, why don't I feel God like I used to? Or why don't I feel God? Why don't I feel God at church, Jeff? I come to church, I worship, I, I even give of my tithe and my kingdom builder giving. Um, why, why, don't I, why don't I feel God? In prayer, like, why don't I feel God in prayer or in reading the Bible? Why don't I feel God in reading the Bible, right? And, and, I, and I've had people ask me these kind of questions all the time. Why don't I feel God? I have people go back to, hey, when I first gave my life to Jesus, like, when I first surrendered my life to Jesus, it was like my eyes went from black and white to color. I sensed God all over the place. Well, why don't I sense God now? Why don't I feel God now? What's happened? Where did God go? Was it just like this feeling that I had then that was just me generating this and God doesn't really exist? Like, what's really going on? Why don't I feel God? Guys, I want you to know there's some good answers to the question, why don't you feel God? But before I get into some of those answers, I, I just want to simply ask you this question. Like, are you the same person as you were when you were a child? I know some of you, you behave that way, but that's a different story, right? And right now, there's some wives that are seriously thinking about, should I nudge my husband like he's talking about you? Listen up, right? We've got some, some man-child people in the room, probably, and or at one of our campuses. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, just, I'm talking about this. Like, you're not the same as you were when you were a kid. Like, you don't go outside and just jump into the dirt and play. Some of you work in the dirt, okay, but you don't walk outside and go, you know what we're going to do today? Let's get a bunch of our friends and let's make mud pies because that's really cool. Your imagination doesn't even necessarily work in the exact same way, right? You don't have the same kind of energy where you're bouncing off the walls or you're running from one thing to the next thing. For many of us, you're like, that's exhausting to even watch kids play like that now, right? Like, I, it's exhausting and you're a young adult. So, no, we're not the same as we were when we were children. Things have changed. Our life has changed. We've matured. And I would say for the better. 
Now, should we lose the childlike awe? No. Do we? Yes. But we mature and we grow. We don't want to lose a childlike awe, but we can't run around like we used to. We're not going to explore like we used to. Things are going to be different. And I would say the same thing in your relationship with God. That as you grow in your relationship with God, things are not going to look the same as they did on week one. Because your life doesn't look like it did on week one. And things change and they mature. And they, they can change and mature for the better, by the way. They don't have to get worse. So why don't you always feel God? Let's talk about that. Why don't you always feel God? Well, yeah, I want to go to the very first thing, which is pretty close to home for me. Maybe you over-sensationalize God's presence. Could that be? Could it be that you over-sensationalize his presence? Now, what do I mean by that? I grew up in what we call a Pentecostal church. Okay? Now, New Life believes in the, in the fullness of the Holy Spirit in a person's life, and we believe in the gifts of the Spirit of God at, at work in our lives as well. That then makes us a Pentecostal church. But let me tell you about the Pentecostal church I grew up in. Okay? It was a small Pentecostal church. You walked in the door. There was a middle aisle and, uh, and two sets of rows that led up to the front of the auditorium. Okay? How many people grew up in a church that looked a little bit like that? Okay. That was my church. And um, man, I walked in, and if these two people were at the church that day, I knew something was going to go down. If sister so-and-so, okay, I won't give her her name, and brother so-and-so were there, which they sat right across from each other on opposite sides of the auditorium, if, if they were there, I knew something was going to go down that day. You know what was going to happen that day? Some sister so-and-so was going to interrupt worship at some point with a message in tongues that was going to freak me out. Brother so-and-so was going to somehow understand what that was, and he was going to give the message. And every single week, that's what went down. Sister so-and-so brought a message in tongues, interrupted the service. Brother so-and-so gave the interpretation of that tongue. As a junior high student, I was convinced they called each other in the middle of the week and they said, here's what I'm going to do. You do this. This is what it means. Are you following me on this? Now, a lot of other people in the church were like, if that happens, God's here and God's moving. And if that didn't happen... Then a lot of people in the church were like, where was God? That was the problem. That was the problem because as I grew in my faith and I grew in my understanding of God's word, it became very, very clear to me, if you read God's word, church, that God does do supernatural things. And God does work through people with the power of his Holy Spirit. And God does have gifts that he wants to move through his people. Okay? And so I know those are real. The problem is, is that people have over-sensationalized God's presence when we grew up in a Pentecostal church. Okay? And if God doesn't move in a supernatural way, then God wasn't there. I'm going to tell you, that's over-sensationalizing God's presence. If there has to be a physical manifestation for God to move, something's wrong, guys. If there has to be something that happens that is out of your control and out of your norm for God to prove the fact that he is there, something isn't right. 
And there have been many different physical manifestations since then. I remember the, the whole phase that the church went through, like where they wanted the pastor to pray for them, and the pastor prayed for them, and then they fell down on the ground, and they were slain in the spirit, then God moved. Or I've heard people say things like, you know, I got the holy goosebumps. God's here. Really? Could it be just maybe the AC's too cold? Is that even possible? Right? Could it be that your body's wired in such a way that, you know, there's adrenaline and different things <clears throat> that are flowing through you that you just get that sensation? I was at coffee with somebody the other day, and we were just talking about, like, normal stuff, like cars and trucks and horsepower and how fast things go. And he's like, I got the goosebumps. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> right? And we were excited about it. We're just excited about it. I think the thing that I hear people say most often about a physical manifestation is they talk about the tears. Now, this is an interesting point. All throughout my journey with Christ since I was a child, till now, I've watched this same manifestation over and over and over again, where people will be in our services and they will sense God moving but they don't know that it's God moving, and they're overwhelmed, and this emotions and tears are flowing. And they'll say things to me out in the lobby like, Pastor, I love this church, but there's something wrong with me. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? I just cry myself all the way through the service. What's wrong with me? I go, nothing's wrong with you. What you're sensing is you're sensing the, the power and the presence of God. Because church, as your pastor, I want you to know that when God is there, when, when God is moving in a powerful way, it is overwhelming. It is overwhelming for a human being to be in the presence of God. That is completely overwhelming. But here's the problem. When you don't experience these physical manifestations and you start assuming that God isn't here or there's something wrong with you, that becomes a problem. I want to give a warning. Be careful. Be careful. Don't depend on physical manifestations to prove that God was there. If you depend on those things, then what will happen is that your life will be like a roller coaster. You'll be up one moment and you'll be down the next moment. This is exactly what happened for the people that were in the time of Jesus when Jesus was walking the earth. And they heard about all these manifestations that Jesus was doing and healing people and taking bread and turning it into meals for thousands. And they came to Jesus in John chapter 6 and they said this, Jesus, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. And then they say this, what can you do? And it's like, this is the same thing that's going on for us today. Like, Jesus, do something supernatural. Do something that's beyond me. Do something that just wows me. Do some kind of physical manifestation. I'll believe in you. And it's like we've turned Jesus into our personal ma magician. Jesus isn't your personal magician, by the way. Like, you don't show up to his show to watch him do physical manifestations. That's an inappropriate over-sensationalized approach to the presence of God, and then that's what's going to cause you to not feel God in the future. Because God did one thing, then you assume it always has to be that way. That's danger. That's a dangerous place. Physical manifestations aren't always the evidence of God. I remember one time I was at a foreigner concert. Yeah, okay, forgive me, all right? I was at a foreigner concert with my wife. She drugged me there. 
Well, it was her dream. I had to, I had to make the dream come true. I'm her husband. I was showing love to her. I want to know what love is, right? Okay. If you didn't know who Foreigner is. Um, so I'm at this concert, and then like towards the end of the concert, they, they decide, look, we're going to bring out one of the former band members. And guys, former band member, this dude's got the, the guitar strapped around his neck because somebody had to probably help him get it there. And he comes, and I'm not messing around, I'm not making fun of him either. He just comes out, this is kind of how old he is. He sits down, and they play the song. And as they play the song, all of a sudden they turn to him, and he just rips into this guitar solo. And as he rips into this guitar solo, I'm sitting there in this audience of thousands, and tears are coming to my eyes. And I'm, I start to get overwhelmed, right? And my wife looks at me and she's like, are you okay? Actually, it wasn't like that because it was loud. Are you okay? And, I, and I'm like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I, I'm overwhelmed often when I see the gift of God in someone's life, even if they aren't using that gift for the glory of God. I can get overwhelmed like that when I'm watching one of those shows that my wife likes to watch, The Voice. She likes to watch it. <laughs> America's got talent. There's something about watching people that have these amazing gifts that I get overwhelmed by that. And it often brings me to tears because I, I, I see this like amazing gift of God in their life. Was God, was, the wor- was worship happening at the Foreigner concert? Was worship happening through this television screen as I'm watching The Voice? Right? Like, like we bring this into the church and we're like, if that doesn't happen in the church, then God wasn't there. I'm going to, I'm saying, what I'm trying to say to you is this. Could it be that you as a human being are just wired in a certain way that, man, emotions, they get you. That you're just overwhelmed as, as you sense like the gift of God in someone else's life or, you know, you sense kindness or you sense compassion or any of those kinds of things. Be very, very careful to not a social, not, not so, you know, like connect. Like I have to have this physical manifestation to always prove that God was there. Like, guys, that's a dangerous place to be. If you always have to have a physical manifestation, then wh- why do you need faith? We need faith. We need faith. Faith is beyond a physical manifestation. Faith is believing that God, you created everything. I may not feel you, but I know that you're here. I come to church, God. I come to worship you, right? I may not have felt anything, but I came to bring obedience to you. There's times when I do sense you. There's times when I don't sense you. It doesn't mean that you weren't there. Faith, guys, is greater than the physical manifestation. Faith is what God's looking for from our lives. Are you hearing me on this point? Okay, I want to be very balanced with this because there is a physical manifestation and God's going to move at times and it is going to be very overwhelming. Okay, I just I want to make sure that I drive that home. That is God. God moves that way. So don't get freaked out about that either. But don't always need that to prove that God's moving. Okay, I think I've driven that one home. All right, how about this one? Um, why don't you always feel God? Maybe your heart is hardened. <laughs> Maybe your heart is hardened. Uh, sin, we know the Bible says sin separates us from God. 
Um, so we know that. So sin separates me. So my heart gets hardened. But we also know that there's an ability to kind of turn up love for one person and let your heart grow cold for another person. Has that ever happened to you? Don't raise your hand. Has there ever been somebody that you were just like, that's it, man. I'm going to let my heart grow cold to them. I mean, it's a brutal thing, but it happens in our lives. And we have the ability to turn up love or to, or to turn it off and to turn it down and actually let our heart grow cold. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 13 when he said, look, your heart has grown cold. Your heart has grown hardened towards me. And when your heart is hard from me, you can't find me and you can't feel me anymore. Look, listen, here's what he says, Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. He says, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says that when you hear what I say, you will not understand. This is Jesus. Jesus is going, I already know this about you people, about me, Jeff Baker, right? He says, look, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. And when you see what I do, you will not comprehend. Why? For, your, for, for the hearts of these people are what? Hardened. And their ears then, from the hardening of the heart, their ears cannot hear. And they've, they've closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see me. And, and, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they can't what? They can't turn to me and let me heal them. They can't feel me. When your heart is hardened, you're going to sense God less and less and less in your life. That's just what's going to happen. We live in the north of the country. We know this. It gets cold. And what happens when it gets really, really cold? What happens? Not like yesterday. Yesterday, I left my house because my wife has this like life group at the house, and the life group is all women. So I leave because I know where I belong. Right, And so I head off to the coffee shop. It's once a month, and I love it. It's awesome. I go to the coffee shop, and I'm, I'm like, look, in the, yesterday morning was not the most brutal morning of all things, but when I got ready to leave, and I asked you know, my personal assistant, Google, hey, Google, uh, what, uh, what's the temperature? And I hope on some of your phones it just lit up right now. That'd be awesome, um, especially at home while you're listening. Hey, Google. What's the temperature? Uh, Google was like, hey, it's 26 degrees or whatever it was. And I'm like, I'm wearing a coat. And I get, to, I get to Starbucks and I'm sitting there and I'm drinking my little espresso. I'm doing my work on my laptop. And this dude walks in with shorts and a t-shirt like it's summertime. And I was like, well, we're in the middle of Nebraska. Come on, somebody. All right. Anyways, anyways, when it gets super cold, what, what do we do? We bundle up. Right? We put a coat on, we put gloves on, we put a hat on, we put scarves on, we got boots on. Well, if it gets really cold, you got your ski pants on. Come on, somebody. Why do we put all of those clothes on? Why? Just why? Simple answer. We don't want to feel the cold. And when you got all those clothes on, you don't feel the cold. Guess what happens when, you're, when your life's covered with sin? You're not going to feel God either. That's the reality of what we're living in right now. And I just remember my life. I remember when I was just a young adult, 20, 21 years old, and I decided I'm turning my back on God. Like, God, you don't exist. I grew up in this church. There was some good, there was a lot of good things and a couple of weird things, but you know, you throw out the weird things, you hold on to the good things, and you know what I'm saying? And, and I, I'm just like at this point where I'm standing in a parking lot in Bellevue, Nebraska, and I point my finger to heaven, and I say, God, you don't exist. I'm going to go do what I want to do. I still remember that day. And I remember that that moment 
that moment moving on, I didn't even recognize the fact that all of a sudden there was this distance between me and God. That God was actually closer to me than I thought. But the minute I told him, I don't have anything to do with you, there was this distance. Not because God went like, okay, Jeff, I give up. No, it's because I moved away from God. And the farther I got away from God, the more distant things got. My heart got colder and my heart got hardened. And that day when I knelt down in Bellevue and I knelt down next to that that couch and I surrendered my life to Jesus at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? God showed up in that apartment, guys. God drew near to me. God came close to me. And I'm telling you today that if your heart is hardened because of sin, your heart has been hardened because you've drifted away from God, there is hope for you today that you can sense the presence of God again and that God wants to be found by you, that God wants you to feel his spirit again. That you're not disqualified from being close to God, from feeling his presence in your life again. God loves you. God gave his son Jesus Christ for you to die on the cross for you so that you and me could be close to God. So what do you have to do? you got to repent. you got to do what I did. Get down on your knees next to that couch at the steps, at the altar at one of our campuses. Get down on your knees. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ Cry out to him, say, God, I want you to be my Lord, and I want you to be my leader. Come into my life, forgive me of my sins, lead me from this day on. I'm going to tell you right now, things are going to change in your life. The Bible is going to start coming alive again. You're going to start feeling God again. Prayer is going to be something that is fun. Worship is going to come alive, and you're going to start feeling God again. God wants to be found by you. He wants that. So, Let me give you one more reason why maybe you don't feel God's presence. And the last one is this, that could it be that maybe God just wants to draw you closer? I know it sounds weird. I I know that point sounds weird, but listen to me. There are moments when God's going to seem distant from you. He's going to seem distant. I want to make sure I drive that point home. He's going to seem distant from you. To create this kind of hunger in you that makes you want to find him. This, God's not playing some kind of crazy spiritual game of hide and go seek with you, though. It's not like God's like in, in the middle of the night, he went and hid someplace, and now you've got a journey for the rest of the month to try to find him. No, that's not God. But what God is doing is God will allow this distance to try to activate or trigger the seeker in you to want to desire him more. Because what does God want more than anything? God wants you to want him, not for what he can do for you, but just for who he is. Too many people, too many human beings are walking around on planet Earth, and they want God, but they want God for what God will do for you. God wants you to want him just simply because he is God. So here's what he says about, the, about this whole point in Acts chapter 17. He goes, look, for, for, from one man, God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. God decided before, beforehand when those nations should rise and they should fall. And he determined their boundaries. God's purpose was for the nations to seek after him and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Though God is not far 
from any one of us. God says this, in your life and in my life, there are going to be highs and there are going to be lows. There are going to be moments when you rise and there are going to be moments when you fall. That's natural. You're going to have moments when you feel like you're close to God. You're going to have moments when you feel like you are distant from God. You're going to have moments when you are desperate for God. And there are going to be moments when you are going, things are pretty good. You're going to have high moments and you're going to have low moments. And God says, I have a purpose for that, by the way. Have a purpose for the cycle in your life. Because many times it kind of goes in that cycle where there's a low moment and there's a high moment. There's a low moment and a high moment. God goes, I got a purpose for it. You know what my purpose is? So that you'll seek me. How many people know that if all you had in life were high moments, you would stop seeking God? And if all you had is low moments, you would get wore out. So there are moments when we are at the pinnacle of life. And, and God's testing our heart, even at that pinnacle. And he wants to know, do you, you still want me when things are going good? And then at the low moments, why do you want me? Do you want me just to rescue you out of this? Or you just really just want to know me? So God allows us to walk through these distant times, guys, so that would activate this seeker in us that we would pursue him. And I love the illustration that he gives in verse 27. Take a, take a look at it. It's on your left and your right screens. He says, look, here's the reason why I'm, I'm doing this. Here's my purpose, so that perhaps they will feel their way toward me. The, the picture that God gives you and me in life is like life is like living in a room that's so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. And God goes, here's what I'm interested in you. And you're doing. I'm interested in, will you pursue me? Will you seek after me like someone feeling their way towards me? Like you're in a dark room and you're trying to feel your way towards the door. And you know that there's a door, but you don't know where it is. So if you were in a room where you couldn't see your hand in front of your face and someone told you there's a door, what would you do to find the door? You would get a hold of the wall and you start feeling the wall and you would keep walking yourself down the wall until eventually you found the door and you found the door handle and you would open the door. God's going, you're going to have high moments, you're going to have low moments so that you would seek me like feeling your way through the dark. But then this is what I love. You'd be like, well, that's sick. Like, God, why would you do that? Like, why? That doesn't make any sense. But then God says this, even in the darkness of that room, like the darkness of life where you can't see me clearly, because I don't know about you guys, but my eyes have not been opened up. I have not seen the spiritual world that's happening around me. I can see the physical world, but I don't see the spiritual world. I can sense it, but I don't see it. God's going, in the midst of that darkness where you only have what you have here on this earth and you think I'm far from you, you're wrong. Here's my promise. I've always been near you. I've always been there. It's like the psalmist in Psalms 23, that even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does he say? You are still there with me. You're still there with me. So church, you may not feel God right now, but God is near. And, and when, when we're desperate, here's what it does. It draws us closer to God. That's what desperateness does. Like, like, think of it this way. It's like a cause and effect. You, you answer the question for me, okay? You finish the statement. You, you tell me what I'm trying to drive home. Um, if you don't eat, then you're going to what? 
get hungry. We're all human beings here, aren't we? Is that, did I go over your head too much on that one? If you don't eat, you're going to get hungry. If you don't drink, maybe you can finish the next one. You're going to what? If you don't feel God, then you're going to what? See, this is where we lose it. I would have assumed you would have got the first two, and you did. If you don't eat, what do you do with that? Well, you, you, you get, if, you don't, if, you get, if you don't, you're going to get hungry, and if you get hungry, what are you going to do? You're going to eat. If, if you're thirsty, then you're going to get some water, and you're going to quench the thirst, or some soda, or something like that. But if, if you don't sense God, then we go, well, God must not like me, so then I'm not going to pursue him. I don't feel God, then we kind of go into idol. I don't feel God, we assume the worst. <laughs> instead, of, instead of going, I don't feel God, that should cause a seeker in me to trigger, and it should start pursuing God. It means that God wants to be found by me. So if you don't feel God, here's what you should do. Lean in and start seeking God, he wants to be found by you. He's not hiding from you. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, that if you look for me, what, wholeheartedly you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. It's one of the things we believe here at New Life. We believe that seekers do find God. It's one of our core values, that when you seek after God with all your heart, you will find him. God's not trying to play spiritual hide-and-go-seek from you. So church, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It means that if you don't feel a closeness with God, you seek him. And as you seek him, then you find him. So let me, remi- let me just, just remind you of this, right? Just because God feels distant doesn't mean God is absent. Let that soak in. Just because God feels distant does not mean that God is absent. And just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he isn't there. Hang on to things like that, right? Don't believe everything you feel. Why? Why shouldn't you believe everything you feel? Because feelings aren't facts. They just aren't. Feelings aren't facts. I don't feel God. It doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. I don't feel God. It doesn't mean that God's mad at you. I don't feel God. It doesn't mean that God's distant from you. I don't feel God. No, feelings are not facts. Don't let your feelings dictate to you who God is. Sometimes you have to push past your feelings, and you just have to do something. You've got to activate faith. I do believe God is with me. That's faith. I don't feel it, but I believe it. I don't feel it, but I believe that, God, you know me. I don't feel it, but, God, I believe that you stick closer than a friend on this earth. I I don't feel it. I don't feel it, but, God, I believe you have your best for me. I don't feel it, but... God, I know what your word says, and your word says that you gave your son for my, for my life. I don't feel it, but God, I know you created everything. I don't feel it, but God, I know you are with me. I want to end today with a scripture that I want you to hang on to, because I think that some of you in this room and some of you listening today, you, uh, you, you need to hear this scripture, and you're going to want to write this one down. You're going to want to grab a hold of this, because if you're one of those people where you just don't feel God, why well, don't I always feel God? You, you need to be like the psalmist. You need to remind yourself of what this passage says in Psalm 16, verse 8. It says, I know the Lord is always with me. I know it. 
I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. I know it. There's no doubt in my mind. I know it. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to drift off course. I'm not going to abandon God. I'm not going to stop coming to church because I don't feel it. I'm going to lean in, and I'm going to seek him, and I'm going to pursue him. I know that he is right there with me. Church, he is always there. You may not feel him, but he is always there. Why don't you stand with me? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this church. And Lord, more than that, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your presence that is constant. Lord, from the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis chapter 1, it says that the earth was void and without form, but that the Spirit, your Spirit, hovered over, hovered over it all. You were here before we ever were here. You, God, when you created it, you, you put your Spirit here. And Lord, as we have walked this earth, you have always been here. You have never abandoned us. You've never left us. Lord, our sin has caused us to drift from you, yes. Our hardened hearts have caused us to miss you, yes. But you have been faithful. You've always been close. You've always been nearby. You've been nearby uh, even, even the hardened heart. You've been nearby. Lord, I know that from a personal experience. That when I turned my life to you and I called out to you, you answered me. And today, if people call out to you, you will answer them. If people seek you, you will be found by them. So church, so church today, in Jesus' name, we choose to seek after you, Jesus. We choose to pursue you. We, we choose to lay our lives down. To, lay the, to confess our sins to you. We, we choose to tear down the walls that stand between you and us, Lord. We have a hungry heart to know you, to have all that you want be done in our lives. So Jesus, have your way in us and have your way through us. In Jesus' powerful name, and everyone said, amen.